as I get older, there's a lot of art that I appreciate mostly because I'm, I think about what the artist is trying to convey. I think about the artist rather than just looking at the piece. I'm looking at the context. Welcome to the Visual Literacy Project Talks. I'm Kevin Wenning. In these interviews, I talk with visual creators across various disciplines about why we create the art that we do. Why and how do some people cultivate deep knowledge and skills to communicate powerfully with their craft? Why do certain visual styles really connect with us and others don't? When I don't understand a photograph or an artwork, I want to speak with the artist so I can reach an appreciation of their style that I never would have come to on my own. And that really is the purpose of Visual Literacy Project. These interviews are best viewed at visualliteracyproject.com, where you can view the full-length videos, also see examples of the artworks that we're talking about during these interviews, and find links to the artists and to their online galleries. My conversation today is with Scott Norris. He's a photographer and been a personal friend for a little while. I've learned a lot from Scott. The thing I think I most appreciate about his photography is I think he sits neatly between the photography purists who say everything has to be published straight out of camera, don't retouch your photos, and then the complete opposite end of the spectrum where I'm going to composite, you know, 50 images together into one frame to make an artistic image. I think he sits nicely in the middle where he's, uh, I think, sometimes capturing photography in the moment where he's an opportunistic photographer. He carries his camera with him and photographs things that he finds while he's just out and about, you know, looking for an interesting scene or an interesting composition. And then sometimes he sets up a scene and he's staging something uh, with the intent of drawing out an emotion and really creating something that connects with you. In the end, he's taking all of these images and really trying to create an artistic image out of them. And like I said, you know, not on one end of the spectrum or the other where it's, you know, completely pure photography or completely composited imagery, but taking, thinking of one image on its own as just a component of the final artwork. So without me blabbering on about it, uh, let's talk to Scott and look at some of his artworks. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Scott Norris. All about Scott. Who are we talking to today? So some of you guys probably know Scott Norris. Uh, Scott is a native Texan currently living in Milwaukee on the east side with his wife and one son. He's been shooting on and off since 1982, and Scott's career outside of photography is a 3D animation motion graphic effects person. Scott creates emotion, mood, and atmosphere with his photographs. Each photo is a very personal journey, exposing his own fears, triumphs, beliefs, shortcomings, whether landscape, architecture, still life, and macro. Scott shoots mostly spontaneously with surroundings dictating what's photographed, and shooting is only the first step. It's a jumping off point. Then he takes the raw images, creates what he sees in his mind's eye, coaxing out textures, sometimes adding them, enhancing contrast, lights and darks, creating moods and emotions that he felt and wants you to feel. Scott's process is about listening to his heart, his mind, and creating a visual representation of what he felt the moment the shutter is released. Kind of to the point, you know, I, it took me probably months to write that. I hate writing artist statements and especially everywhere I go, they say, you got to write it in the third person. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> That's not who I am. Uh, if someone else writes my artist statement and comes up with something, that's okay. But if I write it, it's going to be in first person. I don't care what they say. It sounds really pretentious to me. And that's not 
not who I am. So it's important to go through the process of, of putting it down on paper and just rather than just in your head, because the way that you perceive your art in your head may not be how somebody else perceives it. And so you got to tell people, here's what I, here's what I intend when you look at my art, because you're yeah. not there standing next to him when they view that picture on the wall and they go, okay, now I can see what he was, uh, what he was working towards. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's always good to let your art stand by itself. Um, because that, in, in the end, you want to, to create something with the, with the viewer, but it is nice to know what the artist was trying to do. So I think that's why artist statements are nice because you can read that and then say, okay, now I'm going to look at these images. I usually go the other way around when I'm at a gallery, I look at the images and then read the statement. As do um, I. Cause it just, I, I don't want to have preconceived notions of what they want me to see. I want to see it first. And then sometimes I'll read it and go, Oh, and I'll go back and look at it again and it has a new meaning. What is your 39 project? What are you doing with that, with that gallery or that printer? Uh, that I was, uh, I don't know how they found me. I think they were just looking through Fine Art America actually, uh, which is another site that I'm on where I sell my work. They were looking for artists to ask questions because they were going to launch this site. And I say they, it's Miller's Labs, which is one of the premier, um, Miller, is it Miller's Labs or Miller Labs? Miller Labs. I think it's Miller. Anyways, uh, they also own MPix, which is the, their commercial version. Um, they've been around for 80 years or so, and they're one of the premier printing shops. And they wanted to launch something where they were selling photography. Um, and so uh, the uh, wonderful uh, young lady uh, interviewed me. Um, she asked me all these different questions about what I was looking for in a, in a printer, in a website. And she liked my work and they said that we want to include you as one of our original 39 and 39. It was the uh, Miller started in 1939. Photography was invented in 1839. So that's where the 39 comes from. Okay. Uh, um, but uh, it's, it's just the premier uh, it's high quality prints and frames and stuff like that. So, uh, I'm dumbfounded that I was included in that. I'm looking at some of the other artists in there. And I'm like, really? I'm included in that? That's awesome. Is, um, this, is this live now? They've already launched it? It is live. It? Yep, they, March 1st. Um, hopefully uh, sometime in uh, April or May, I'll find out how lucrative it is. <laughs> well, it's it's an honor just to just to be included there, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple people that you know in there. Uh, Janice Sullivan. Um, she was one. Uh, she might have. Uh, she was part of the uh, Ar uh, Arcana Musketeers. Founding thirty. I recognize Ken Kamineski in there. Yep. Uh, photographer Sean Hazelton. Lori Novak. Uh, Janice uh, is uh, is Lori. one. Lori. I haven't seen much from Janice lately. She's busy with her own podcasts. Let's see, who else do I recognize in here? The Scott Norris guy. Yeah, I don't know about him. <laughs> but I mean, these are all over uh, all over the world um, and all different styles. Um, well, it's, congratulations uh, on that. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna it, have to go check out all of those artists. I, I'm excited about it, especially since they're associated with Miller because. Uh, there are a lot of places you can get your stuff printed and there's places you can get stuff printed cheaper than Miller. Mm. But uh, when you sign up as a, 
you have to have a professional account to print through Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, are they they're fantastic. Full service lab, or they only do like wall art. Uh, they're full service lab. I don't know if they do film, but uh, I know they used to because they started in '39. There wasn't digital, so. Uh, but they're the quality is incredible. Um, they ship overnight, so if I ordered something today, it would be here in the morning. Um, and uh, the shipping's free. Scott, thank you for doing this with me. And I wanted to have you on right at the beginning when I'm getting these started because, uh, and just an aside here, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but Scott got me involved uh, in something several years ago. I don't know how long ago that was. 2015, 16, uh, called the Arcanum. I don't even know if it still exists. It does not. Uh, But it's, it was a, a creative community to work with a mentor. So somebody who's learning photography to work with somebody who's amazing at their, at their skill, like Scott, uh, just to teach us all sorts of things and, and give us sort of a guided process that we can, that we can work with to, to grow our photography and take it to the next levels. And through that process, that's what led me to, to doing these, these talks and my own curiosity about why people create the art that they do, because that opened me up to all sorts of other artists and styles of photography, things I hadn't really thought about. And, you know, when you're stuck in a rut <laughs> creatively, it's always good to go view what other people are doing and then pick their brains and say, why do you do that? You know, why, why do you see the world that way? And that's what this series of interviews is all about and understanding. You know, when I look at some pieces of art and photography still, I just look at it and I go, I don't get it. I don't, why that doesn't speak to me. Mm-hmm. And, and then when I can spend a little time with the artist, a lot of times their, their backstory just opens me up to a whole new world that I hadn't thought of before. And that's, that's what these talks are all about. Yeah, I think that's really important in knowing why the artist has done something. Uh, if you don't get it, find out why the artist did it. Uh, it's frustrating for me sometimes when I go to the art museum here and there's a piece that I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Then I'd look at the title to see if there's something in the title and they call it Untitled 37. <laughs> like, okay, that doesn't help me. <laughs> that's one of the things I try to do with my images is either, either get a description or a title that says something about what I'm feeling. Uh, it not necessarily uh, is it like sometimes I'll pick a quote or a song title or a, something that fits with what I was feeling. It might not be exactly about what the image is, is showing, but it shows my feelings. So. so yeah, that's a whole side conversation, whether or not you should name your pieces and, and put a description with them. Uh, I don't want to go off on that tangent too far, but yeah, Untitled 37 doesn't do anything for me. No. Okay. (laughs) Help me out a little bit more than that. (laughs) Yeah. Has, has your art always been a part of your life or when did it start? Oh gosh. Uh, You know, I, I think it has, I don't really remember much before the, I guess the eighties, right when the eighties started. I mean, I was a kid, so I was always drawing and doing stuff. And, but I never really thought of myself as, oh, I'm going to go into art. And I never was the kid that was always drawing stuff. I was always interested in visuals. Um, although at that time, I wanted to be an engineer so I could build robots. Um, but then I got into math and I decided, okay, <laughs> I don't want to be an engineer anymore. <laughs> Algebra, I'm okay with. Like robots that much. Yeah, calculus. I'm like, okay, this is starting to get weird and uh, integral equations and differential equations. I'm like, okay, 
I, I can't think of that in my head, so I'm going to do something else. So, uh, but it was in 1982 when I was, I think I was a freshman in high school, um, and uh, decided to take a photography course, and that just opened it. I'm like, okay, this is it. This is what I wanted to do. So, did somebody encourage you down that path, or you said, hey, I want some easy easy credits? Yeah, photography that looks good. Well, I I knew people that talked about the photography teacher, and he was a really cool guy. Um, his name was George Hamilton. Uh, his dad was the sheriff of Brazos County, I think. Um, and so he had, uh, he just, he had a, he was a big guy and he had just way about him. And he was one of the, one of the guys, you know, he was one of the teachers that was always getting into trouble with administration for not doing things the way teachers should do it. Um, and this being in the early eighties, uh, corporal punishment was still a big deal. And he had these paddles on the wall that he would paddle kids with, but it got, got to the point that you wanted to be paddled because you got to sign it. And so after a while <laughs> there was no punishment. It's just like, I want to sign, I want to sign the paddle. So he said, all right, bend over. And he hit you a couple times and you'd sign the paddle. And he was just a guy that, that uh, he was one of us. That's what we felt. Uh, and he was so good at coaxing out the, your interests. He would look at images and say, you know, I see you're doing that. Keep doing this, do, do it this way, try it that way. And of course th those days it was all film. So he taught us how to do stuff in the dark room and uh, that just got me going. And that, that's why I always think it's important to, to find people that, that not necessarily know more than you, but have been on the path longer. Mm. Um, Cause I, I never think of this as I'm better than anybody. I've just been walking the path. Uh, and you're welcome to join me and I want to show you where I've been. And that's why I think it's so important to find other people that, that do this because you, you learn so much. Uh, and so through that, I went through uh, high school and college where I was going to be a National Geographic photographer and realized that National Ge you don't work for National Geographic, you're a freelancer. I thought, oh, that means I have to actually do other stuff first. Okay. So I decided I was going to be a photojournalist and realized that that's not my thing was fine art. I didn't want to do journalism. Mm -hmm. um, so when I lost access to the darker and that's when my photography stopped for a while. How long did you uh, pursue that? Like the national geographic slash journalist path and decided it, you know, that wasn't where you wanted to go. I decided that I wasn't going to do that before I graduated. So <laughs> that, that's when I got a professional time on it. No, I just realized that, I don't want to spend the time to do that because I knew well, I didn't know I was a kid. So I, I don't know anything. I just know I didn't, I didn't feel like that was where the direction I wanted to go. Um, so I said, well, I got to do something. I got to get a job. You now that I'm graduating with a photojournalism degree and I, I don't want to be a journalist. So, uh, so I went to television and uh, through working in uh, news production uh, through that, I got the bug of saying, I want to do 3d animation. So I, mm -hmm. I learned on the job and that took, I've been doing that since 93, so quite so a few did that years. take over your life for a while and you didn't work yeah. on the photography? Yeah, and I, it, it actually helped when digital came around to where you could actually do photography where it was almost as good as film, and I think now it's better than film in terms of your resolution. Um, film is always going to have a special place, and I think uh, there's something that the organicness of, of film that is better than digital, but... Um, because I was doing 3D animation where I'm creating something from nothing, 
you know, come, someone comes up and said, we need this creature to, to walk across the screen. Or we did a, a spot in, uh, when I was in San Antonio where they wanted water droplets on the side of a Corona cooler to come to life and knock the, the bottle caps out of the bottle cap holder that used to be in those old school, uh, uh, coolers yep. to knock the bottle caps across the room to hit the uh, rabbit ears on the TV so they could watch the soccer game. Uh, and so I'm, we had to create all that. It's a fun storyboard. Yeah. Uh, it was live action mix, mixed with uh, uh, animation. But through that, that helped me when I started getting into photography to not think of as, okay, I'm going to go straight out of camera. That's why I'm thinking, that's why I think that the, the film or the, what I shoot digitally is just the, the, the jumping off point. Right. Like, oh, this is well, my base. The whole storyboard and you, you can put other pieces with it and create something more, more interesting. Yeah. And because I came from that frame of mind uh, and had used Photoshop since it was the very beginning, I think I had a leg up on some people mm. because I've been using Photoshop for so long that it was, it's second hand to me. I'm not a Photoshop expert by any means because Photoshop is so deep that seems like every week I'm getting a notice that it's being updated. I'm like, Oh, you can do that. now. That's awesome. But uh, your, your style still is not, I don't think of it as it is compositions. You're putting several different images together, but it's, uh, so I talked to Bob uh, wild on a previous, previous interview and he does uh, sort of grunge art where you're, you're overlaying textures and all sorts of different colors and you do a little bit of that, but it's, it's very yeah. different than the traditional compos composition graphic artist style that people think of in photography. Yeah, I, I, I hate it when someone says, um, oh, you Photoshop that, like it's a bad thing. Thinking, no, that's a good thing. Uh, and I, I get this on occasion when people say, well, why can't you be more like Ansel Adams? Thinking that they're saying that, thinking that Ansel Adams, everything he done was, did was straight out of the camera. And I'm thinking, okay, that tells me that you don't know about photography. Because I, I truly believe that if Ansel Adams was alive today, he would be on the forefront of digital uh, Photoshop and all that kind of stuff. Um, because he spent so much time in the darkroom, dodging and burning and layering and multiple exposures to get what he wanted, what he saw. Mm -hmm. And that's all I'm trying to do. When I, when I take a shot, I have an idea of what I want it to look like. Or so there's sometimes that I'll shoot something and then say, okay, I don't know what I want to do with this, but I like it. So I'm going to save it. And then when I get into Lightroom or Photoshop, then I'll start playing with it and see what I can create. So this is one of the, one of the topics I wanted to ask you about is, uh, you know, in your chosen medium in photography, then how important is it to know what came before the history and, and how the, how the art form evolved and what's been done? Are you following any of that, you know, on purpose or are you, yeah, how, is, how important is it to research that and understand it? I, I think it's important to look at other people's work. Uh, and I think it's also important to know some of the history. I've never been one to say you have to know Edward Weston and Bresson and, and you know, uh, Ansel Adams and all these people. It, it's important to know um, their work, to recognize it and, and recognize the genius of that work. Um, but I also think that when you always, if you're looking back and always trying to say, I want to do that, then you're not advancing. So you, you st you're basically, you want to stand on the shoulders of those people and use what they've, the composition techniques, the exposure techniques and take it 
to the next level. So mm-hmm. I think it's important, but I, I think it's, it's, it's probably more important to see what other people are doing. Um, Contemporaries. Yeah. Not to copy them, but just to see what to learn. Uh, you, you need to do your own thing, but uh, looking and seeing what other people do are doing, you can get ideas. Um, there's a, um, a book that I have called steel like an artist. Uh, and it's such a great, it's Austin Cleon, I think is the guy's name. Um, and he said that basically in art, everything is plagiarism mm-hmm. in a good way. Um, I think David Bowie said it, uh, that uh, he said, it, I look at what other people are doing and steal the best parts. And no, nothing is 100% original. No, nothing is original. And he said that is the way artists and art and and music and all these things have progressed is people say, Oh, that's great. I'm going to take that and make it my own. We wouldn't have rock and roll without blues. Um, So it's not that everyone's stealing. It's that they say, that's a cool lick. I'm going to take it and make, you know, something better out of it. So uh, that's what I do with photography is you're always looking at what other people have done and saying, I like that. I'm going to try to do that, make it my own. And my own analogy on that is uh, when people ask me, you know, how should I practice my photography? I want to, I just want to go out and create my own stuff. Well, look at what other photographers are doing. Can you create, can you recreate that? If you see a long exposure, if you see, you know, an action shot that you like, a certain style of portraiture that you like, go out and try and recreate that first mm-hmm. because no musician picked up an instrument and started playing hits from day one, they, yeah. they played covers and they learned their craft. And then they, right. and then they said, now I, I have developed my ear. Now I can go and create my own music. Same thing goes for photography. You don't want to be playing the covers forever, but no. you got to start there to understand the principles of why is this a style that I like? Why, you know, how is this image composed and created? Yeah. And now you've got the skills and tools to take you forward. Uh, that, that's, that's, I like that analogy. I mean, it's, you learn your tools. That's, that's, that's the first thing thing you can't it's not uh uh okay i'm gonna get my camera and then i'm gonna be a photographer now i just spent three thousand dollars on a camera so i'm professional now no you have to know everything and and uh this camera back here is eight years old and i still don't know all that what it does every <laughs> once in a while i'll open it up and say oh cool i can do that but you got to know you got to know the tools you got to know the basics of exposure and and learning something uh about composition it's always good to look at other art forms. I, I like to look through painting books to see what the painters are doing in terms of composition. So you learn new, new techniques there yeah. and then emulate, you know, if you're a landscape photographer, go out and shoot the same places that Ansel Adams did. Try to try to copy what he did. You will learn a lot by saying, why does this not look like his <laughs> or Holy crap. It looks just like his. I know his secrets. Right. <laughs> you know, or it's different. And I, I like the way it's different. Yeah. But yeah. that, that's the thing is, is, is you learn from that and then you can add on to that and say, okay, now I see what he did, but I want to try it this way. So we kind of already talked about this. Your, your art is a full-time profession. Uh, the photography is, is a part of that, but uh, yeah. yeah. So your art, your 3d graphic art definitely is your full-time profession. It is, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to switch the percentages right now. It's about 60%, 65% uh, um, motion graphics and 3D animation, um, and I want to switch that. I'd like it to be 100% photography. I, I enjoy the, the 3D animation, but it doesn't bring me the joy that photography does. Um, um, 
and when I say photography, uh, it's not just the shooting. It's the, it's the creating in Photoshop. So, <clears throat> and what's interesting is I found recently that I've been getting into some digital art that I really enjoy doing too. So I, I don't think the 3D animation is going to go completely away because I enjoy creating art that will be on the wall um, digitally through 3D animation and things like that. So I'm going to switch to uh, sharing some of the images that you that you gave me for this. Sure. Are there, are there any representations in here of uh, what we were talking about, your 3D digital art? Uh, I didn't give you any of that, uh, but this is, this one of the smoke is, is close to that. Uh, this is just incense smoke shot in a really dark room and then reversed, color added. But uh, I've created stuff that's on white background like this completely in, um, digitally with uh, some of the 3D software I use. You have a specific style that you're, you're trying to work in. Uh, is that pretty much always the case? Do you always you know, shoot and photograph the same way or with the same outcome in mind? Um, you know, I think uh, because of what we, we're human and we have a, a set way that we do things, I have a tendency to start to do things the same way. I, I, when I process, I do certain steps. I'm trying to get out of that uh, because I don't want to be known for a certain style. I really like to shoot what feels good. Uh, recently, uh, partially because it's been so freaking cold up here in Wisconsin that, and I've decided that, decided that I don't like shooting in the cold. I don't like shooting in the snow and ice. So I've been shooting inside a lot. Uh, and I'm limited. I don't have a studio, so I'm limited to setting up on the kitchen table or here in the office. Uh, so I do a lot of minimalist still lifes like this, uh, the top one here with the, the leaf, that's just a piece of plywood and an old leaf uh, shot with a single flash and I made a homemade diffuser to diffuse the light. Um, so that's the kind of stuff in this one of the, the old film camera here. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I'll shoot now. I'm doing a lot of minimalist stuff now. Uh, when in the past, um, I don't know if I have any of my, I think this is all my favorite stuff now on my, uh, let me go to my landscapes here. Um, You know, there's landscapes or something that I did a lot of, and I haven't done that a lot lately. But even with my landscapes, this, this shot here uh, of the water, um, that is, uh, it's mirrored. It's one shot and I mirrored it and then went in and kind of made it to where you, it's hard to tell the mirroring. But uh, I saw this shot and I said, this needs to be really wide. Uh, and I did not have the resolution on my camera to do that. So I said, how can I do that? So I set up the tripod, shot it, and then said, okay, I'll take it in and mirror it. Um, the color blue is kind of what was there, uh, but it, was, it looked like this when I shot it. This is Lake Michigan. Mm -hmm. As far as your specific style, I, you used to shoot a lot more, uh, I don't know, landscapes, outdoors, uh, and it kind of transitioned to more of the smaller staged type of items that you would then punch up and turn into art. Yeah. Did that happen based on you know, life events and time available or is it just based on season or why do you create different things? Uh, you know, I think some of it's based on season. Some of it is based on life events. Um, I work from home. My wife works a couple days a week and my son was not in school up until recently. So one of us had to be here with him. Uh, so it meant that I didn't get to get out as much as I liked. Um, so 
started shooting indoors. Okay. Uh, some of it was that, that uh, I've shot so much of the parks around my house and I'm getting tired of it. Uh, I think if you start, I mean, you can live near some of the most incredible landscapes, but if you see it all the time, it gets old. So you need to get out and see new things. And <laughs> one of my ways of seeing new things is to not go there for a while. I haven't been to these parks <laughs> right. in a while. Because it becomes new again. Yeah. Yeah, where I was going with that is, uh, I mean, a lot of times people look at what an artist creates and thinks, oh, they're going through a phase. They're you know working on something different. And your, your artist statement say that perfectly. You shoot what's available, what's around you, so that you're always working and creating. And somebody that has a family with a young kid in the house, that dictates a lot of you know, how much time is available. If yeah. I can shoot up something on my desk, you know, set up something and shoot it on my desk real quick when I've got 30 minutes or an hour while they're taking a nap, that's, that's my creative, creative spot for the day. Yeah, and I think it's important uh, as an artist, uh, even if you don't, feel creative and what you are creating doesn't feel good you got to keep doing it that's that's very important is i mean i've been i'm in a creative rut right now photography photography related and but i just keep trying i keep shooting keep going and doing stuff some of these shots that we're showing here were from my 365 project that is a huge undertaking but it Especially, I would say that if you're going to do a 365 project, tell everybody that you're going to do it and get people to look at it because it forces you to keep doing it. If you say, I'm going to do this every day and everyone's saying, okay, I can't wait to see what you do, uh, there's motivation there. If you just do it and say, oh, I'm just going to shoot, you'll stop soon. Is it, uh, is it worth it? If you're, if you're a serious artist and you want everything that you publish to have a certain level of polish to it, you're going to stress yourself out on some days when you just don't have time to create a polished piece. It is worth it. Uh, and there are, uh, when I started the project at the very beginning, I said, I'm going to try to do really good work every day, but there will be days when I know I won't be able to create something um, or I won't have time. So I set up in there in my own mind that there will be days that I don't do that. Uh, so there were days in the 365 project where I wrote down the day on a piece of paper and took a picture of that. And that was my picture of the day. Um, I remember those. Yeah. Or, or I went back and uh, reprocessed an old picture. Um, but, uh, you know, shots like, like this one, I just, I was looking at my Etch-A-Sketch and thought, wouldn't it be cool? How would I do that? I don't know. So I just started shooting and, and there's multiple layers in this shot. But so how long did it take to create this? Uh, probably about four hours. Uh, start to finish including the the shots that you put in there and yeah Photoshop time and everything. Yeah uh, I had an idea of what I wanted it to be. I didn't the the, the hand Turning the the left hand knob there was added at the last minute because I wanted it to be just the guy from inside Which is me by the way. I can't tell um, <laughs> But I thought it needed more and so I, I went in and added it but uh, I just shot this in my office and I didn't even have a white background. I had to cut myself off the background. And I, I shot maybe 40 or 50 shots trying to get the angle just right where my arm was turned the right way. And, uh, and then I had to figure out how to make it kind of look like an Etch-A-Sketch. So that, was, that goes back to my animation motion graphics days, knowing some techniques to, to make that look. 
Let's see. We already talked about kind of what your specific style is. And I'm kind of curious where that's evolving next for you. Like you said, you're kind of in a rut right now. Is it because you're, you're tired of creating the same thing? You're trying to move in a new direction or? There's a lot of things. Uh, life gets in the way of a lot of that. And so there's, there's just it, things that prevent me from getting out as much as I'd like and shooting as much. Some of it is equipment. I, I've always been a uh, believer that the best camera you have is the one that you have with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter. You know, you don't need to spend $3,000 on a camera and $3,000 on a lens to do what you want. That said, there are limits, and I kind of feel like I've reached the limit. My Nikon D700 is a great camera, but it's 12 megapixels, and I've discovered that I want to print big, and it's hard to do that, and uh, I'm not getting the sharpness that I want uh, out of the lenses that I have, so I feel like that's kind of slowing me down. That's all mental, because everything that you're seeing here was shot with that camera, so I know it's a good camera but that's a mental aspect that I'm trying to overcome because I can't afford a new camera. So, well, no, so there's that. Maybe I discussed this uh, some, some time back. You said partially the reason that this style of editing evolved was because your camera sometimes would come out with, you'd come out with soft pictures and still wondering, you know, what else can I do with that? Right. Yeah. Well, uh, when I, when someone asked me what camera should I get uh, you know, I, it, it really depends on, you know, do you have one? Do you want to keep your lenses? whatever. Uh, there's a lot of great cameras out there and they don't have to be full frame, you know, top of the line. Glass is really important. You've got to get good glass. And the glass that I have is either old or cheap. And it, a lot of the, the images where I really want that next little step, um, it is, I, I miss it. I don't get the sharpness that I want, especially when I'm at the edges uh, of the f-stops or it's like wide open or all the way down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this one was a fun one. That this is a multiple exposure because there's no way you can get that reflection in one shot. So I, I shot the mirror, and then I put the put the the uh, tripod basically on top of the toilet, which is uh, <laughs> to camera right there, um, and uh, shot myself on the wall, and then composited it together. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's that would be a hard one to do without the camera in the shot in the in the mirror. I tried uh, because I wanted to get it in one shot, but then when I realized I couldn't do it, I said, "Okay, well, let's figure out how to do it otherwise." And it worked out well because that wall where I'm standing there, I removed the towels and the cabinet behind it and all that. So, because um, I wanted that that minimalist look there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you can see, I added the, the, that's one of the things that I'm kind of getting away from now, but adding the painterly look to it, I always, I, I, I still like that, but I, I want to do something different now with that. So hmm. it makes sense. I I'm in the same place where I'd, I'd like to have some, a few sharper lenses and then I'd, I'd like the option to take it the other direction and add the, the brush strokes and, and more grain to it. But I don't want to have, yeah, like you said, the limitation of having a real nice, clear, sharp photo if I want to print it large. Yeah, uh, and I've I've discovered that with some of the the sites um, that uh, I've been invited to be part of, they're saying, "Do you have that any larger?" Are there any styles that you've that you've tried and just decided you weren't for you that you've abandoned? Um, I, I, portrait photography is something that doesn't 
speak to me. Um, now I've done, and, and weddings is something that I won't do. <laughs> I've, I've, I shot one wedding for a, a good friend of mine in Chicago. Uh, I have been second shooter on some weddings, uh, which basically meant that I carried gear. I wasn't actually shooting. Um, but that's not something that I want to do. And portrait photography is something that it, it's intriguing. And I, I think if I had a little bit of training and the right equipment, because you got to have, if the image, if the eyes aren't sharp when you're shooting portraits, the image is blurry. doesn't matter what is in focus. If the eyes are soft, you've got a blurry image. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something that uh, is just doesn't appeal to me that much. Uh, event photography is another one. Uh, I've done some of it. It's just, it, it feels hard to me. Um, I like to be out by myself to think about the shot and, and stew on it a little bit. And when you're doing portraits uh, or event photography for, for certain, you got to capture the moment. Um, hmm. And I guess that goes, maybe goes back to my journalism days. My journalist, uh, uh, photojournalism is, I decided I didn't want to do it then. I still don't want to do it. So Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to find the more I talk to photographers specifically, there's a people fall into either the uh, in the moment, like I'm going to capture things as a journalist would or documentary style event photography, or I'm a contemplative photographer. My, my art is part of my part of my alone time where I want to get yeah. and think about things and I want to take it slow and slow down and enjoy the scenery around me. And that's as much part of it as, you know, making the photo itself. Uh, I, I, I might get the name of the book wrong, but I think it's the Zen of photography. Uh, I might be wrong about that, but it's uh, written by a photographer who happens to be a Zen master. Uh, and he wrote uh, in, in the book, it's his, it's his biography. Um, and at the near the beginning of the book, he's at a, an event doing something where he's uh, uh, it's a workshop with a Zen master and the Zen master tells them to go out and find something to shoot but tells them don't shoot it wait until the object tells you that it's okay to shoot um and that's very zen and i don't really do that but i do like to go out and if i see something i like i like to just sit and look um and i think it's a good practice for any photographer any artist for that matter is to not just say oh there it is i'm going to do it Uh, i'm going to shoot this and move on to 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 spend the time to look at what you're what you see look at the light look at uh, distractions. There might be stuff in the background that you don't notice when you first see the scene. Are there better angles to shoot? Um, so it is kind of being with it and saying, okay, now I can shoot this because now I know what my subject is. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, there are times when I go out and say, oh, cool, click, and I keep moving. <laughs> so yeah, I've gone both ways. I, yeah, sometimes I sit there for 15 minutes waiting for the light to be just right. And I realized I really should have shot this scene when I first arrived because that was the best frame. Yeah. Now there's no light. <laughs> no. I know we've done that. It's like, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait. And then the light never gets there. So <laughs> Exactly. Along with uh, things that, you've, that you don't care for so much, are there any particular styles that intrigue you that you want to practice more? I'd love to get, do more night photography. Uh, long exposures and uh, not even light uh, night photography, but low light. So whether it be night or inside, Hmm. Uh, this is where one of the limitations of my kit lens comes in to a big effect is it's a kit lens and it's great, 
but you get what you pay for and it's dusty on the inside. And so when I do, especially if I'm shooting into lights, um, not only do I get the little lens flare that you get with lights, every piece of dust on the inside of my lens uh, shows up. Uh, and I get to the point where I can't, I can't shoot at night because that of all the dust that's in there. And people say, oh, well, get it fixed. Uh, well, it's expensive to get lenses cleaned and fixed. So uh, probably more than the lens costs. <laughs> this one, definitely. Um, I'd love to send it to Nikon, but Nikon says that, uh, from my understanding, is they don't just clean lenses. They, they refurbish them. Mm -hmm. So if you send it to Nikon, they'll refurbish the lens. So if anything else is wrong with that lens, they'll fix it and charge me for it. <laughs> so it could be a lot more expensive than you, than you bargained for. Uh, now, I, I, my kit lens is a zoom lens. I know you can uh, get away with, uh, if you use prime lenses, you have less glass. Um, so there are things that I can do. I'm not saying that I don't shoot it simply because of my lens. There's other issues with like having a child. And at the end of the day, after spending time with him, and I love my kids, my, my, my son, so I'm not putting this all on him. But at the end of the day, you're tired. And uh, I'm, I'm not getting any younger. And so there's a point where I'm like, you know, I think I'd rather sit in front of the TV tonight <laughs> <laughs> or sit in front of the computer and process rather than go out. So right. that's something that I want to get into. Um, and <laughs> even though I just said that I portrait photography is not something I want to do, I would like to get into uh, fine art portraiture uh, more about what is that more is that? about exploring emotion with people uh, so it would be something that I would have to con uh, have concepts um, um, so it, it, in a way it's kind of like still life except it's with people interesting um, that would be a, that would be a powerful series um, one of the uh, I'm sure somebody's touched on it before, but I'm no art I'm historian. Really, yeah. uh, I, and I've been inspired by this for a while uh, from the Arcanum. You remember Connie? Yeah. She some did of a lot the uh, self-portraits, right? Some of the self-portrait stuff that she did uh, inspired me. Uh, and I've done a, a lot of self-portraits, and I think a lot of photographers do because we know the subject. So, uh, But I, I like to work with some other people doing some of those things. Um, but I, I would need to find someone that is willing to, to deal with the uncomfortableness of working with a photographer that doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> so. I hear that a lot from portrait photographers and the, where it always comes down to is they say, just, just do it. Just dive in. Yeah. You'll find that, you know, the people that you're photographing, unless you just really are terrible, usually they're having as much fun with it as you are. Yeah. Are any of these that we're looking at here that, that I've got uh, any of your best-selling uh, images? Um, the the one with the clouds is a, good, a big seller. Um, this is to prove that you can take good pictures out of an airplane, a <laughs> uh, commercial airplane. I wasn't like leaning out the window or something. Did uh, we were coming, a, lot of, uh, a lot of cleanup and processing? or Actually, it? no. I was lucky enough to – this was uh, probably United Airlines coming back from San Francisco – uh, obviously late in the day and this was over the desert Southwest somewhere. Um, and these storms were popping up everywhere. Um, and I, I was lucky enough to be in a window seat that the window was, there was no moisture in there. There were, there were no fingerprints all over it. It was mm -hmm. pretty much a piece of clear glass. All I did was stuck my camera, the lens, 
I took the, uh, my lens uh, hood off and stuck the lens directly against the glass and put my hands around it to keep glare. Now they had the lights down, like they always do in the longer flights. Um, but this is, I mean, there's some color correction here and dust removal because I have dust on my, I had dust on my, uh, uh, my, uh, uh, the uh, sensor. Uh, but there's not much done to this. I mean, that's why I shot this. I'm like, holy crap, look at that. <laughs> yeah, there are those times when you're photographing, especially sunrises and sunsets, that you look at the colors and you're like, nobody's going to believe this. Yeah. They're not going to think it was that color, but it really it really is. Uh, you know, I, I think the only thing I did to this was the very top of the image, that blue, there was a little bit of clouds up there. So I wanted that delineation from the anvil part of the, the uh, storm. So I removed some of that. It, yeah, it gives us a good sense of scale. If the clouds went all the way to the top of the frame, you couldn't tell how big that cloud bank is. Yeah, and this is at 35,000 feet, according to the pilot when we were flying. Wow. Uh, it was a funny uh, story. I, I went out to San Francisco. To, my wife was out there for a conference, and she said, why don't you come out and join me? When I'm done, we'll spend a few days. Well, she was flying on her company's dime, so they, she was flying Virgin Airlines. And her flight left 45 minutes after mine. So she got to fly through these storms instead of around them. And I got back and was like, oh, it was such a great flight. I got these great pictures. And she was like, um, I think I'm going to be sick. Like, I don't appreciate you right now. Don't tell me yeah. that. <laughs> um, I think there's a shot of a, a black and white shot of a tree in here. Uh, uh, not the forest one there. No, that uh, it might be down toward them. I don't know if I added that one. I don't see it in here. I didn't add that one in there, but it's, uh, it's on my website, um, scottnorrisphotography.com. Uh, there is, uh, there's a shot of a tree that was on the campus of Texas A&M where I went to school, uh, and that's my bestseller by, by a long shot, hmm. simply because it's got a special place in the hearts of Aggies over the world. So That's, that's usually the case. The, the photos that sell the best are the ones that connect emotionally with somebody. Either yeah, and remember that place or it's a, a spot that's on their bucket list that they want to go. So they want it, you know, they want it where they see it every day. You know, and that's an important point to make um, is you always want your images to sell. If you're, if you're in this to, to make money, you want your images to sell, but you need to look at, at why you're shooting before you start going down that path. Cause if you're shooting, because I said this will sell your images won't because you're the emotion isn't there. I'm saying it, you won't, maybe you will, but you need to shoot because it's an emotional scene. There's some emotion there that you want to share rather than saying, this is a, a seller. Does that make sense? I, I think that shooting because you say this is a seller, this is a, a scene people will want works for stock photography. Yes. But not for art photography. No, you need, if you don't have an emotional connection to it, there's a good chance the viewer will not have an emotional connection to it. Um, that's why I know uh, in, when you're critiquing images, um, it's very important to know what the artist was trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, because if, as an artist, if you're creating something, if you don't know why you're doing it, who, who's to say that your viewer will know why you did it or have any connection to it at all? The, the, your line of thinking here that, you know, if you, if you don't have an emotion for it or when you're creating it, nobody else can either speaks to you know, what you said, your image needs to stand by itself too. 
Yeah. Because usually you don't get to explain yourself. People just see the photo on the wall. They, you know, have three seconds to decide I like that or I don't. And yeah. And that's it. Uh, and you know, it, it's, it's not all black and white. Um, there's a lot of gray there, you know, so we're talking might, about the photo or the, yeah, now you might, you might shoot something that you have no emotional connection to that sells like crazy, but that's going to be an outlier. Yeah. If you try to put something out there that, uh, that you're trying to ap appeal to everybody, you're going to fail. Um, uh, you need to just put the art that you feel is you and put it out there and let the chips fall. Because if you, if you start worrying about what people think about your work, you're always going to be disappointed. The other only other really direction I wanted to take this conversation is uh, along with, along with these things that we know kind of why you've gone this direction, why you like to shoot them. You're trying to create that mood and emotion and, some sort of connection to the image. Is there, is there any type of imagery you look at and you, your mind just doesn't connect with it that you, you look at that and it just does nothing for you. You know, there's probably images. I, I don't know if there's a particular style. Uh, as I've gotten older, when I was younger, modern art, um, and that I use that term very loosely. I know. And if you're an art historian, there's probably, Oh, that was from 1955 to tonight. Anything, some of the modern art I just didn't get. Uh, and I think it was because I was younger. As I get older, there's a lot of art that I appreciate mostly because I'm, I think about what the artist is trying to convey. I think about the artist rather than just looking at the piece. I'm looking at the context. Uh, I remember when I was living in Houston, and this was 20 some odd years ago, I used to go to the uh, Contemporary Art Museum there and there was a piece of art that I thought they were doing construction. It was literally a, like a one by, uh, it was a one by four that was like 20 feet long that right in the middle had a plastic bag duct taped to it. And it was called to the grist mill. Now I'm not sure I would get that now, but I think I could appreciate it more then. Then I was just like, what did this is crap? What is this? I could do this. Um, so uh, I, I think I appreciate a lot of different things. Um, there, some that says more about the, well, that just says a lot about your evolution as an artist and yeah. being able to appreciate what other people's are work, other people are working on. Yeah. You know, fashion photography or boudoir photography, I can appreciate the, the skill that goes into that. It's not something that appeals to me. Um, that said, I, it's not something that I'm like, oh, I'm not, that's crap. It's just not, I, I, if someone says, hey, we're going to this show and it's all uh, fashion photography, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm not interested. <laughs> why, why do certain visuals connect with you and others don't? You know, if I had the answer to that, it would be, make life a lot easier. <laughs> I think that's part of the fun about doing what we do. Um, is that you don't know why you're doing it. And through the art, you're exploring things. Um, art is a very personal uh, endeavor. I, I, think, uh, I think that's one of the reasons that many artists um, are 
you, you might see people that are flamboyant and outgoing and uh, you know, you think, Oh, they've got it. They know what they're doing. And when you talk to them, they are insecure. And that part of that is, is because you're sharing yourself. Um, you have a show. People are looking at your work. This is you. Uh, and opening yourself up like that, it, it's very, it, it puts you in a vulnerable position. So um, I think that's why uh, I do what I do is just to explore my inside. It's a one way to, it's kind of therapy in a way. Hmm. Uh, and I, I actually have done that before where, uh, where I'm feeling depressed or, or whatever, uh, that I'll shoot things that kind of explore those. Um, as a, as a kind of a therapy, a way to get through it. I don't, I didn't think I had any of those images to you, but there were some in my 365 projects where upstairs in our uh, a building here, the second floor was empty. And I went up there and shot some pretty, what I consider pretty powerful um, shots. And it happened to be when I posted them on Facebook that my wife was at my in-laws and she, she uh, called me and said, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm exploring some, some aspects. I'm okay. Before we end here, I've got several different links where you can find Scott's work and I'll post those in the notes, of course, with the show. We've got scottnorrisphotography.com, Flickr, still using Flickr. Good to see oh, you. Yeah. Uh, Twitter, that slash Scott Norris photo. And then the project that we talked about uh, at the beginning, 39.com artists slash Scott Norris. You can find them on fine art America. That's where the majority of your, your best sellers are going to be found, right? Yep. Uh, Most of my online sell, work. Sell through your there. website or you know, direct. I, I do, but it's rare. Um, it, I've been putting a lot of effort into promoting fine art America because it's, there are millions of people looking at it every day and I've got tens of people looking at my website. So, <laughs> So do the math. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then finally, we've got LO Scott Norris Photography and Facebook.com slash Scott Norris Photography. So you can find him in all the popular places. And then if you're a, if you're a fine art photographer or a fine art collector, go to fineartamerica.com or scottnorrisphotography.com. You can find all of his work there. I'm also on other sites, but I just figured we'll limit to that. If you want to find me on other places, text me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much, Scott, for, for being here. It's my uh, pleasure. It was a great time. Hopefully we'll circle back around and show us something new if you, if you got it down the road. All right, so my takeaways and follow-up from that conversation with Scott. Obviously, I knew him before we did this conversation, and a lot of times, most of the time, I don't know the artist that I'm interviewing, so everything is brand new to me. Even with Scott, there were several things there that uh, were new takeaways, new information for me. So number one is that for him at least a photo is just one element and it's just a jumping off point to create his art. So if you're a purist and uh, especially if you do a lot of photo competitions, you can't really edit those photos before you submit them. So you're going to have to stick with uh, the photo and just do small adjustments. But uh, Scott is selling his photography as art and uh, that's really how he approaches it. So uh, combining his photography along with his 3D art and just combining all of those skills, use everything at your at your disposal uh, to to create what gets you to your to your end goal, no matter you know what you call it, whether it's photography or digital art or whatever. Uh, and for Scott, that's uh, at the end to get people to realize a mood or an emotion out of his photography so that they 
when you view an view a piece, you you feel something. You you connect with it in a way, uh, even if he's not standing over your shoulder saying, you know, this is what I want you to understand about this this piece. Uh, so, which really to me is the definition of an artist. You you create something that people can walk past and they go, ooh, I connect with that. I I understand it. I, I appreciate that, uh, even though I've never met the artist. So, uh, yeah, those are there were two big things. The other the final thing I think for me is really. Uh, using whatever is available to to photograph and and to work with to create your art. So uh, whether that's uh, limitations, maybe even the limitations can lead you down that path to to create specific things. And you know, if Scott doesn't have the latest camera and the latest lenses, and he'd like to upgrade his equipment, but I uh, just decided that's not going to stop me. I'm still going to create uh, what's what's in my mind. I'm going to get out there, and and it, he doesn't do it through travel, where he gets into a new environment all the time and sees new things that stimulate him but rather sees everyday things in his everyday life in a different and new way, which leads him to create that art. So yeah, uh, whatever your takeaways are, they may or may not be the same as mine. Doesn't matter. Uh, but anyway, that's what I got out of that, that conversation. Some new ways to look at uh, just photography and, and art for me. And, uh, if you, if you want to participate or if you want to find more of these videos, go to visualliteracyproject.com. That's my website where I'll be posting all of these interviews. And then uh, if YouTube is more your thing, uh, just look me up there, Kevin Wenning, K-E-V-I-N-W-E-N-N-I-N-G. And uh, you can just look it up there. I've got a uh, playlist there with all of the Visual Literacy Project stuff there. Uh, so if you also want to get involved, if you're an artist who has a unique style, a unique way of looking at the world, I would love to talk with you. Uh, Kevin at visualliteracyproject.com is my email. You can reach out to me there. And uh, cheers. Hope you uh, enjoyed this and uh, come check out more of them. All right. Be well.